www.thepowerhouse.com. Thank you. I, I will drink until next morning. Good morning, and welcome in to the Blitz. Live on Fan Run Radio, live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Here with you for the next couple of hours on this Thursday. As we getting you, getting you to your lunch break. Friday, Junior. Decent weather out. Great time of the year. Conference tourneys roll along today. Uh, we are a week away from. Uh, you know, a full slate of SEC tournament games. Uh, we are two days away from uh, from our our first conference championship game. So, uh, I mean, it is it is that time of the year. Charlie Collier, Sam Beard, just walking through the door. We both we were both a little late today. Sam getting out of a class late. I got stuck behind a street sweeper. Let me let me switch gears real quick. Actually, you know what, Sam? Yeah, you go sit down in my chair. We'll switch to the break. I'll just I'll stay back here. I'll stay back here. But uh, I got to turn your mic on. What's the deal with street sweepers, though? Yeah, I don't know, man. Those things uh, they take their time. That's for sure. I- I've never really spent a lot of time thinking about them until this morning because I was. I was stuck behind him in a spot where there like wasn't you couldn't really go around him. There was like there wasn't really a median. So it just it was just like nine minutes of me just coasting behind a street sweeper waiting waiting for there to be an opening to slip around. Unnecessarily large object. But it was the uh it was the longest I've ever really thought about street sweepers in my life. And if we didn't have them would there really be that much of a difference? Yeah, how much are they cleaning? Like, what would our streets look like if we didn't have <laughs> street sweepers? A little bit, a couple more leaves. What are they even like? They're just pushing it around in a circle. That's a good point, Charlie. Like, when I sweep at home, I don't just walk around, just push dirt around the floor. You don't you just sweep like, it. Sweep it to the you don't, edge you don't of just, the wall. Yeah, you don't just you know? sweep it. You you sweep it up. It's never. You going sweep up. it up. You, you pick it up. You throw it away. You do something with it. Yeah, nothing's ever getting. We literally up. just have giant vehicles <laughs> with little tiny brushes on them that just like spin around aggressively, and and cause traffic. Cause traffic. Yeah. But what are they doing? That's a great point. Who invented them? Um, what is their purpose like how successful are they how do they work like what is the plan behind them why do we still have them how many are there how much do you get paid to be a street how much do you get paid to be a street sweeper if you are a street sweeper is that a daily job is that a part-time gig i really have a lot of questions about this industry yeah is it season i don't think it's i've never seen a street sweeper in the wintertime 
Maybe street sweepers become snowplow drivers slash salt truck drivers in the wintertime. Maybe it's like a, you know, WNBA players play in Russia in the off season. Street sweepers drop salt. All right. I think we've cracked the code. I just, if you're a street sweeper, and, and, and don't take this as me, like, making fun of your profession, anything like that. No. Hey, I respect the hustle. I appreciate the uh, the streets being swept. I, I just have a lot of questions, and I'd love answers. A Thursday morning street sweeping also seems like a strange time. You would think that those are probably, you know, designed to roll out, like, Sundays or Mondays, I feel like, at the, either at the end of the week or the beginning of the new week. I'm just going to Google What's the deal with street sweepers? What's the deal with street sweepers? What's the deal with these things? I don't know. Turns out they're not just sweeping away dirt and leaves along the edges of the streets, but it's also... All right, you know what? I might have to walk back this take a little bit. Yeah? It's also sucking up debris. Ah, okay. To keep curbs and sewer drains clear of leaves, dirt, mud, nails, glass, and other things that can be hazardous. Or just... You know, look so the underside of that thing is doing a lot more than we think it is. Yeah, so it's not just... So I think it's poorly named. It's like a giant Roomba. That is a street vacuum, not a street sweeper. Like those little vacuums that people buy that are just robots that walk around their house, that's all it is. So the brush is just to loosen the residue so it's, so it's more suckable. Yeah. Yeah, so like that brush is just loosening everything up, like kind of fluffing everything so then it can it can get sucked. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you learn something new every day. You think there's a different man on the job? Like, you think there's one man controlling the sweeping part of the truck and then another man who's operating the, the suction? Two-man two job? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but I'd like to imagine it's like a manual suck. So, manual. like, there's a guy, yeah, like, that guy's, like, having to control the suction. Mm-hmm. Like, going crazy in there. Just like I need more, I need more brush. I need I more brush. I missed a spot, and so that's why they stay there for like five minutes. They're also, uh, huh? What do you know about this? They're also spraying water, so it keeps the dust down, so it doesn't. So there's not. That's that's next level thinking. Okay, so this is way more innovative than I ever thought. They're spraying water, so the dust doesn't fly up. They're wetting the dust, so it's suckable. Wouldn't that just make it mud? I mean, I think if it's wet, you can still suck it, though. Yeah, a little bit. I wonder how much. Because if you're, if it's not wet, then it's just flying everywhere. No, I, I understand like their their reasoning for doing that, but I feel like with too much water, you're making it mud. Oh, hold up! I think it's it's a light amount of water, maybe. I don't know. Uh, street sweepers have two steering wheels. <laughs> See, there's dual operators. Yeah. Oh no. One operator, two steering wheels. So what do they need? <laughs> Is it like a driving The back room car? rotates forward, pushing debris onto the conveyor belt that lifts the dirt up into a hopper. There are two side-by-side steering wheels in the street sweeper so the driver can hug up to the curb on either side. All right. There's an entire article. The Secret to Street Sweeping on, on the Washington Post. Washington Post, we got a big... Jeff Bezos telling us things. Bezos is the one who made the article? 
There's no chance. I mean, it's just his Washington Post. It's a perspective piece by columnist John Kelly. I walk every day following the same route to get a little exercise during the pandemic. During that walk, I've noticed and picked up four, 44 small metal strips in the street. Most are seven inches long, but vary from what? four to ten inches. I've never but where are they coming from? My life. Keep going. 44 metal strips? Oh, these are... Okay, so he found bristles from... That have broken off from the sweet street, sweet street oh. sweeping truck. Oh. What a weird way to start this article. That's just like the opening. That's the hook. I don't think that's a good hook at all. I, uh, you found metal on the ground? <laughs> Click out of the article. I don't care. <laughs> Tell me about street sweepers now, not later. If you want to catch my attention, just lead off with, what's the deal with street sweepers? Yeah. Answers Here's how to follow. Sweepers work. Answers to follow. That's it. I'll read a 13,000-word article about street sweepers to, right now. You don't need to throw a hook in there for me. I'm already Googling why street sweepers are working. Yeah, you I'm think already, you think people just came across your street sweeper yeah. article, sir? You've already piqued my interest. You don't need to try and... There, it, is, it, it is most definite that people are Googling to, to reach your article. <laughs> 100%, though. Goodness. Nobody's stumbling upon a street sweeping article and wanting to... You know what? I might read that. So are their bristles like not safe? I don't know. On the street, I didn't continue reading. It didn't hook me. Didn't hook you enough. I mean, you just heard me. Uh, I figured you were curious enough. He said, "Answer, man, had no idea." Then he found out that these thin metal strips at his neighborhood, uh, ha- and, and or. <laughs> Then he found one of these metal strips in his neighborhood, recalled that the streets had just been swept, and realized these mysterious strips are just broken bristles from a street-sweeping truck. The modern street-sweeper is a marvel of engineering, Mm. built upon a sturdy... uh, That's a word I don't know how to say. Uh, The standard sweeper features a pair of rotating whisks, each about two feet in diameter on either side of the truck. At the back is a sweeper, a large rotating broom, like an oversized paint roller. Spinning side brooms clean the gutters and curbs, forcing debris to the center of the truck's path of travel. Back broom rotates backwards, pushing debris onto the conveyor belt that lifts the dirt up and into the hopper. There are two side-by-side steering wheels, so the sweeper can hug up to the curb on either side. Um, Up in the DMV, the street sweeping effort is an attempt to keep pollutants out of the Chesapeake Bay. Makes sense. I'm saving this article. I'm reading it later. <laughs> All right. Well, are you hooked now? I am. That? I, I know. I, I don't think it's going to be that. And I mean, I, I still don't think it's written well. But you're just trying to get informed. Yeah, I just need to know more about. Well, about street sweepers. I think that's completely fair. Not the start I envisioned. I, I, did, I didn't expect to walk into that either. Yeah, not the start I envisioned at all, but uh, it's the start we got. Big show today. Like I said, uh, a week away from from the SEC tournament. Final SEC game of the year being played Saturday. 
now we've made it both you know through Tuesday and Wednesday, so all the midweek games have been played. So everyone's down to one game. Really kind of take a look at the tournament bracket and what's on the line uh, for Tennessee and just for everybody heading into the final weekend in terms of the seeding. Uh, and then, of course, the big news of the day as well. Um, I think news we probably expected, Zakai Ziegler, it's official, torn ACL. So we'll take a look at that too, you know, what the lineup could look like moving forward, how Tennessee, you know, could change as a basketball team looking forward. And then, of course, we've got over 20 conference tournament games today too. So we got a loaded show for you. Uh, Sam's in the building. We're here. Sit at the break now and uh, on the other side, we'll be back. Dive into some Tennessee hoops. Home loan or a home equity line of credit? At Knoxville TVA Employees Credit Union, our loan officers will help you get through the entire home buying process, as well as help you pick the right type of real estate loan at the best rate for you. Great, great Whoop. stuff. And okay, it's working. Let's there we go. go. Beautiful. Beauty. Beautiful. Kind of a gloomy Thursday, which I guess coincides with the mood in Knoxville today after it was made official yesterday afternoon Zakai Ziegler torn ACL out for the remainder of the 2023 season I don't know what this means for his offseason you know I don't know what this means for uh the start of next season for Zakai, but out for the year and uh man you could just feel it really across the board um he kind of embodies you know the culture that Tennessee's tried to create uh that throughout their their entire athletics program I think he's definitely a beloved figure in Tennessee athletics you heard Tony Vitello uh talk after the baseball game about how you know he it was noticeable that his team's hearts were sunken uh, because of the news about Zakai Ziegler. You know, they they were feeling for him at the baseball game. Tony Vitello, Zakai Ziegler, you know, formed a pretty nice relationship. Um, just heartbreaking, man, to see a guy that is you know such a likable, just force of nature on the floor uh, go down like this. And unfortunate too that it's your starting point guard and. You know, with Tyreek Key being kind of a question mark, with Santi having haven't had played point guard since his first two years on campus, you're left in a, an interesting spot, to say the least. Moving forward, we talked about it yesterday. You know, we liked uh, some of the prospects of of what Tennessee was able to do against Arkansas with that different lineup with Santi at the point guard position. But you know, we felt that Arkansas. Could have been a pretty favorable matchup for a lineup like that to work. But, you know, moving forward, I think you're going to see kind of three different options to replace Zakai, maybe four. So, I mean, let's talk through them here. Obviously, the one that makes the most sense, like I think the one you'll see most often often is Santiago Vescovi running the point. Mm-hmm. You know, he has the second most possessions this year at the point guard position for Tennessee. We saw that a good bit on on, on Tuesday night. Um, what would the lineup look like around him? You know, it can be flexible. Sometimes it can be, 
a true, you know, Santi, Tyreek, Julian, Olivier, Uros, Tobey, Adu, you know, one of those three at the five type lineup. You know, I'm sure you could be pretty versatile with it. You could go Santi at the one and, and then, you know, Josiah or Julian at the two and three and Olivier and, and Tobey at the four and five and, and, and go with a, you know, a, a versatile switching strong, like pretty big lineup. You, know, you you can do a lot of different things with Santiago Vescovi at the point guard position. I think um, another potential solution, which we've also seen some this year, uh, Jemai Meshack running the point. Mm. You know, he – I don't think a lot of people realize this. He was a point guard in high school. He's had 241 possessions, according to Hoop Explorer. Um at the point guard's position for Tennessee this year. Yeah, it's two different guys. Santi a little bit craftier. Um, pay, more patient, you know, turns the ball over less. Um, I think it slows the pace down with Santi. I think Jemai Maychak is a little bit more chaotic of a guard. Mm-hmm. But I think there's definitely some pretty interesting lineup combinations that are possible. I think that... Santi and, and, and Jemiah Meshack, though, it, it feels like Santiago Vescovi and, and, and Meshack, those two probably going to take the majority of the point guard reps uh, with Santi out of the majority being the majority. Yeah, I would say probably like 70% of those, maybe more. Santiago Vescovi, God love him, is about to, to start playing 38 minutes a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to run – I mean – you know, he's up to the challenge. It's not like they're just going to like run him into the ground necessarily, but they are going to I, I, I assume, you know, Rick Barnes and, and company are going to put him on the floor for a very long time. <laughs> they are going to uh the end of his season is not going to be spent on the bench. No. And he's not gonna be uh exactly fresh after every game either. He's gonna be gassed. But that's just kind of what you got. You're at the tail end of your season, you know. You got to grind it out for a couple more games. And again, yeah, I mean, three more guaranteed, that's it. You know, I think that's an important mentality to have. Like, you are only guaranteed three more games. And you can expect more, and you should expect more, but as a competitor, as a, a basketball player, like, hey, in your head, you should know, unless you do something to change it, you will not play more than three more games the rest of this season. Like it is your responsibility to play more basketball. But uh, I think those are the the you know the the probably two most obvious options at point guard: Santiago Vescovi, Jemai Meshack. Um, from there, I mean, could we see Josiah play point guard? Throwback to 2019-2020 season when Josiah was your point guard. Uh, when he was a, I mean, a technically a five-star point guard, combo guard, coming out of high school. I think it definitely allows you to play like a lot more positionless basketball, kind of. I you think we're about to see a, a lot, lot of your lineups. Basketball. Yeah, which I think is good for this team. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it can provide an extra element. You know, you're not you're not gonna play as fast. You're probably not gonna take as many threes. You're not gonna have as many straight line drives. But I think you're gonna. 
have even more rebounds. I think you're going to score uh, inside more. Like I think you're just going to have more possessions, less turnovers, more offensive rebounds. You're also going to be showing teams looks that they haven't seen on film for the entire right. year, basically. So yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, while that can be a disadvantage for you, I think you, you know, obviously being knowing what you have in your own locker room, I think you can you can kind of navigate that a little bit better than the other team. So I think you definitely have an advantage on that end where the team that you're playing is is really going to have no idea on how you're going to how you're going to show up. Yeah, there is just a, a level of unpredictability about this team that is going to be unique for a, a team that's seeded 3 or higher in the NCAA tournament. You know, usually you have a pretty good idea what those teams are and what they aren't. Um it's going to be able to allow your defense to I think also give give teams some even more interesting looks mm -hmm. because again you're fortunate enough that julian phillips and and josiah jordan james are both quick quick enough laterally athletic enough to to still guard some some point guards still guard some shooting guards if you want to go with those big lineups but then you know both of them can guard one through four yeah i don't think they're taking on a lot of fives but they can guard one through four so if you run into a team that has two guards, you know I don't feel uncomfortable putting Jemai Meshack on the team's second guard, Santi on the first. That's a great defensive pairing. You know this defense, you're, I think you're going to be able to switch a lot more. Um, you're going to be able to do some different things that you weren't able to 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 make teams uncomfortable. Other options at point guard, I mean Tyreek Key, but. He hasn't really played the true point guard position since all the way back against like Georgia, back first week of January, second week of January, whenever that was. Um, B.J. Edwards, probably a name that people want to hear at this point. You know, is a freshman really going to make a difference? I don't really think so. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that he didn't play more in some of those early games, so maybe he would be in a position where he could contribute now that there is a need for contribution. But, you know, for whatever reason, it is what it is with Rick Barnes and, and playing time just doesn't feel like B.J. Edwards the guy that's ready. Uh, his defense, the numbers don't love his defense. Eye test-wise, I haven't really thought it's been all that bad. Um I think B.J. Edwards can give you five to seven quality minutes off the bench if you need it, but, you know, is there anything that five more minutes of Tyreek Key, or is there anything that B.J. Edwards gives you that, that five more minutes of, like, Tyreek Key couldn't? And I, I don't really think that that's, there is anything. So, with how Tennessee replaces uh Zakai, again, I think it's going to be primarily Santiago Vescovi with a little bit of Jemai Meshack, a little bit of maybe Josiah, but I don't even think that. Like, I think it's just going to be Santi and Meshack. Um, I'd be interested in letting Julian Phillips even bring the ball up the floor some. Don't think it's going to happen. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not necessarily predicting that, but I think it would be interesting. Mm -hmm. You've got four, like, you don't maybe have guys that are – it's not their expertise in playing point guard, but I feel like you've got four to five guys on there that can feel somewhat comfortable in that role. And I think that can be good for you if when you're playing this positionless basketball and you're 
swapping lineups in and out and you're kind of mixing up everything having multiple guys that feel somewhat comfortable at that at that point guard spot I think gives you a little bit of a little bit of comfort but yeah I, I think you know for NCAA tournament wise and everything like that I, I would be I would be surprised if you're not seeing Santi bring up the ball for the vast majority of those possessions now I, I think one thing you will really miss is Zakai's ability to get in the middle of the defense. Yeah. He he was really good at, at just getting into the teeth of the defense. And it didn't always lead to a shot. Didn't always even lead to a pass. Sometimes he, he'd take it in and pull it back out. But just his ability to kind of collapse that defense in and get him shifting with the way that Tennessee screens away from the ball, that, that definitely loosens things up on the offense. And you know, I don't really think you have anybody that is necessarily a huge threat to just take you right off the dribble now. I really like the pick-and-roll game that Tennessee had started to uh, started to play with some, too, in the, in the last month, month and a half of the season with Sakai and, and Olivier. You know, you're not going to get that anymore. There are some elements that are going away, and it's disappointing. But, you know, I, on paper you would think no more Sakai Ziegler. You go with an even bigger lineup, a team that's already one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country – that number should go up even more. So just the way that you play changes a little bit. You know, it's it's it, it's again more rim oriented, more paint oriented. The ball movement is going to be even more important now. Offensive rebounding will be of heightened importance, and I think Tennessee is up to that challenge. You know, I, again, Arkansas felt like a blueprint game. Felt like that was a game where you say, okay, this is how we can find some semblance of success in the NCAA tournament. What do you think the closing lineup looks like? You know, Tennessee had settled into it, has settled into the past couple of years like some pretty comfortable closing lineups, but Zakai was a part of that both last year and this year. You know, it was Zakai and, and Julian, Josiah. It's been like Jemai and Olivier lately or Jemai and whichever big's playing lately or sometimes Olivier, whichever big's playing lately. But, you know, you're going to settle, obviously, on a closing lineup for postseason play. What do you think that looks like? It's tough. I think you're going to, you know, you're obviously going to see Vascovy in there. I think you I think you roll with Meshack, too. Uh, yeah, you got Vescovy, Meshack, Josiah James. I guess Kamwan Adu. See, I was kind of thinking it would be Vescovy. And then, yeah, I, I do think Meshack. You know, he's grown enough offensively where it's not four against five anymore. And he's such a good defender. Yeah, you need him out there. I like his toughness in, in that closing game situation. So I think... He's a good enough defender where it's also you kind of are... Maybe four on five offensively, yeah. but his presence He's Lou defensively. Dort before Lou Dort started scoring. Right. Like it was still important for the Thunder to have Lou Dort out there in certain situations, like mm -hmm. when you needed someone to guard James Harden. Um, Jemai Meshack is your shutdown guy. Yeah, it is a pleasure to watch, and, and you know you're going to need a little bit more transition D too. He's very active with those hands. Think, I mean, transition. No, I think it's going to be Vescovy Meshack, and then. 
I think you go Jul- Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan James. Okay. So I think you go those two, three and four. And then the five to me is the question mark. You know, I don't even think. I think it can be matchup based for sure. Yeah, I don't even think you settle on like yeah. a set five. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're playing like a Texas A and M team, it's maybe Tobey Awaka or Olivier Kumwa. You know, if you're playing Purdue, maybe it's Urosh or Jonas. Like I think that that five spot and potentially Jemai Meshack spot are both movable based on the matchup. Like, I think Vescovy, Julian, and Josiah, those three are locked into your closing lineup. But then Meshack and Kamwa can can kind of shift matchup dependent. Like, if you're playing a big team that's forcing you to go big, then I think everyone moves up a spot, and Meshack drops out, Kamwa at the four, and you have a true five. But most of the time, Tennessee will want to go smaller, and if they can, then, yeah, I think Meshack's in there, and then it's either Kamwa, Adu, Urosh, or Tobe, depending on the matchup, depending on the hot hand. But I think that's kind of what your closing lineup is going to look like. Um, I am excited to see what this team does, though. I think that, again, there is some reason for optimism. It's not the first time, either, that a team has lost one of their best players, if not their best player. I mean, it was just... What was it last year that Houston made the Elite Eight after they lost Marcus Sasser mm-hmm. halfway through the year? Yeah. You know, it wasn't a late game. It wasn't a late season injury necessarily, but uh, a couple years ago, God, who did, who was it that Michigan lost? Um, it was their point guard, but he yeah. was like a big point guard because he rebounded too. He was averaging double digits. Can't remember who it was. He got hurt, and they made it was the guy opposite of Jordan Poole that year. They were the one seed. It was the guy opposite of Jordan Poole. Mm. Oh, this is gonna drive me crazy. And it wasn't Isaiah Livers. Yes, was great. Poole Sam, Isaiah Livers. You know he got hurt for them late in the year. They still made it to the Elite Eight that same year. Was it the same year? Oh, gosh, COVID has my <laughs> my timeline all mixed up. I should have written this down earlier, looked it up or something. But I think it was that same year Colin Gillespie got hurt for Villanova right before the tournament. I don't know about that one. Like, I just don't know. I'm not saying I don't know if that's true or not. I just don't know about that one. It was the COVID. It was the you know, the no, COVID no. year or the year before that? It was the it was the COVID tournament, the the Indiana tournament. He was the biggest player of the year, and he, he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt like right before. He might have gotten hurt like in the American, not the American, the uh, Big East Biggies. tournament. Yeah, but they made a. Uh, I think they made an Elite Eight too. So I mean, you've seen teams find a way, and and you know, and, and to some extent. like you were talking about when a team still has a bunch of depth when they're still really talented obviously it sucks to lose to Kai Ziegler or Colin Gillespie or Isaiah Livers or Marcus Sasser but when you're well coached and when you are deep when you are versatile does make you a little bit harder to prepare for because there is a certain level of mystery to you surrounding you heading into the tournament trying to think there's one more I mean, there's always been injuries for teams before tournaments. I'm trying to think, like, there was one big one, like, f- five, six years ago. 
when Arizona was a one seed. Like I remember there there it was like the 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 week before the Pac twelve tournament, it was one seed Arizona back when Sean Miller had him rolling. And their point guard went down. He was their best player. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got this. I got this. I got this. They still went Keep to the talking final about four. Because I got, this. got like right to the f- no, no, no. This is DeAndre Ayton's team. They this lost. Is the DeAndre Ayton they team, lost correct? in the Elite Eight by like a possession. I got as this the name. one seed, and I their got point guard name. got hurt. Who was it? I got this was name. It Brandon. No. No, it wasn't a Brandon. This is DeAndre Ayton's team. I'm pretty sure. Right. 2014. Might have been a little early for Aiden. That's early. Twenty fourteen. It was like early parts of the two thousands, but like mid two thousand tens, I think. You got me off the scent. Um, I was thinking of. Mm, what's that guy's name? I can see his face on in an Arizona uniform right now. I, I don't know who you're thinking about, but. It was like 2015. Arizona was a one seed. Their point guard, their point guard slash best player, got hurt the final week of February or like second to last week of February. And yeah, they came up like a couple possessions short of the final four. So there's still, you know, some sort of historical precedent for teams to suffer an injury to a top player and and, and make a run. I I'm gonna get this. Let me Google it. Don't tell me who it is. 2014, 2015, Arizona basketball. I don't even. Yeah, you're. 2015 is way too early for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, dude, he's like 25. But I know who it is. Uh, I'm looking. I feel like I'm doing shock. Okay, 2014-15 was fifth in the AP poll, Pac-12 regular season champs. This feels like a team that. If they lost the West final, don't uh, tell me. It's a weird name. I know it's yep. a weird name. It wasn't Stanley Johnson. No, 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 no. This was like the Stanley Johnson, Caleb Tarzinski team. Caleb Tarzinski. Yeah, I, I know who this is. I figured out No, who I it know is. who it is. I figured out exactly who it I is. I can see his face. It's Brandon Ashley. No, it's not. What? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, Brandon Ashley. He got hurt. I just, I just, I found it. No, that's yeah. not the name I was thinking of. Brandon Ashley. Or did he not get hurt? Was it Stanley Johnson that got hurt? Either way, you know, we're moving off of this. Alonzo Trier. That was so different. That's that was not was. at all the same team. We're gonna go. We're gonna get on Google during the break, and and we'll we'll switch gears. Talk SEC hoops on the other side. The SEC is a mess. Yeah, there's one big old chocolate mess. Mm-hmm. My goodness, Kentucky just. Dropping a game last night at home to Vanderbilt. Andy's playing some spoilers recently, man. I've actually – did you hear the rumor? Jerry Stackhouse is a 
faithful listener of the show. Well, that too. But did you uh, did you did you hear what the people have been saying out in the streets? What is that? What they what they've been up to? What they've been talking about? What's that? Losing to Vanderbilt on the final shot of the game. Actually, the mark of a great team. I heard. I heard that too. So, it's okay, Kentucky. You know, we already we already did it. Uh, you you guys did it too. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but that helped Tennessee out. Helped Tennessee out in the sense that uh, you know now you're in a spot where potentially you can still grab that three seed in the SEC tournament. Couple bracket, scenarios. What? Couple scenarios where that can happen. The bracket right now, as it stands. The season ended today. Your Wednesday night play-in games would be 12 South Carolina, 13 Ole Miss, which massive credit to South Carolina for not finishing 13th or 14th if they can find a way to do it. Um, and then your other play-in game would be 11 Georgia and 14 LSU. Your 9-8 game would be Arkansas and Mississippi State. Five-seed Missouri would get South Carolina or Ole Miss. Florida would get Auburn. 10-7, uh, and then six-seeded Vandy. Shout-out Vandy. They would get uh, Georgia or LSU. Your double-bye teams, it would be a one-seeded Alabama, two-seeded A&M, three-seeded Kentucky, and four-seeded Tennessee. All of this taking place in uh, Nashville, of course. So Tennessee is in this spot right now. They would likely play Missouri, and if they beat Missouri, would likely play Alabama. Pretty tough couple of matchups, but yeah. I'm kind of okay with that. Like in the conference tournament, either you know, give me some tough matchups and, and you win them, you pick up some some resume boosters, some confidence boosters heading into the SEC tournament, or you know, you lose a game that doesn't hurt your resume and you can have an ex- extended rest before the tournament. Like you, you sure. know, we we learned last year we got our conference tournament win and obviously I want to win the SEC again, but we learned last year the impact of the of winning the SEC really isn't massive. So, you know, I like the prospects of playing Alabama again potentially. But if Tennessee wins this weekend and uh Kentucky loses, which the games this weekend, Kentucky heads to Arkansas, so Arkansas probably going to be the favorite in that game. Arkansas mm-hmm. already smacked around Kentucky in Rupp. Uh, Tennessee probably going to be a slight dog, too, I think. Maybe. Probably not, though. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know how they're gonna how Vegas is going to treat this guy injury. So actually, I'm not even going to speak on that until we just that's a good point. See actually. on Saturday morning. I really don't know how to handicap that game. Um, if Tennessee wins and Kentucky loses, then Tennessee is the three seed and Kentucky is the four seed. If Tennessee wins, Kentucky wins. Then Kentucky's the three seed. Tennessee's the four seed. Tennessee wins. Kentucky loses and Missouri wins, then Tennessee becomes the three, Missouri becomes the four, and Kentucky loses the double bye, drops to five. Let's root for that. Well, hold on now. If Tennessee wins, Kentucky loses, Vandy wins, and Missouri loses, it's Tennessee one or three, Kentucky four, Missouri five. Um, 
Missouri plays, pardon me, they play Ole Miss. Vanderbilt plays Mississippi State. Problem is, if Tennessee loses, uh, they're anywhere from a four to a six seed. That's not good. If Kentucky loses, they're either a four or five, and if Missouri loses, they're a five or a six. So, Alabama A&M, they are already, they have it locked up. Uh, they are the one and the two. Alabama, 16-1, A&M, 14-3, so that's decided. But, yeah, Kentucky right now is 11-6, and six, and, again, they traveled to Arkansas. Tennessee, also 11-6, and six, don't have the tiebreaker, obviously. Kentucky holds the head-to-head. Um, Tennessee heading to Auburn, Missouri, again hosting Ole Miss, Vanderbilt hosting Mississippi State, Missouri ten and seven, Vanderbilt ten and seven. I guess could you fall all the way behind Vanderbilt? I don't know. Maybe. I guess that's how you'd fall all the way down to six if you lose. Vandy won, Missouri won, and Kentucky won. What a wild SEC tournament that would be if we ended up being behind Vandy. We were just the six playing on a Thursday night. I would not be happy. No. Double by seems important. Other than that, I don't really – I don't care if you're the four or the three. Mm-mm. You know, avoiding Alabama, I mean, that's fine, but whatever. I'll play them again, yeah. What I really want is another shot at Kentucky more than anything. Yeah. More than anything, I would love to play uh, play Kentucky, but I don't even really know how I view the SEC anymore. I mean, I think Alabama's the best team, but is Tennessee the second best team? I still think so. I think so, too. Is A&M the third best team? Probably. But then is, like, is Kentucky four? Is Arkansas four? Is Missouri four? I feel like that's when you start kind of getting the log jam in the SEC. Think right now if I was power ranking the SEC, I would go Alabama one, Tennessee two, A&M three, Arkansas four, Kentucky five, Missouri six, Vanderbilt seven, Auburn eight. Okay. Actually, Mississippi State 8, Auburn 9. And then from there, doesn't really matter. I mean, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU, they're all just different forms of bad. You know, some of the bad wear red jerseys, and some of them wear purple and yellow, and some of them wear orange and blue. But some are the common bad. denominator some is that really they're all bad. bad. Some are really, really, really bad. Some are are shockingly bad. Mm-hmm. Some are regular bad. Some are scrappy bad. Georgia, scrappy bad. Scrappy bad. I like that description. Florida, eh, they were scrappy bad, or they were scrappy mediocre uh, when they had Colin Castleton. Now I think say. they're they're waning bad. LSU, very bad. <laughs> yeah. Watch out though; they're heating up. Won an SEC game back on the 22nd of February. 
Got out to an early lead at home last night against Mizzou. Don't let them have a Cinderella run. Don't let them win this SEC tournament. That's a team you don't want to be playing in March. My ideal SEC championship game is South Carolina and LSU. Okay. I want to see uh, Ole Miss make a run post-Kermit Davis fire. Ideally, in all of the Power Six conferences, like the major six conferences, ideally a non-tournament team just makes the run in all of them. Yeah, 100%. When you're not a bubble team, you don't have to worry about stuff like Like, you don't have to worry about the bubble bursting. Bubble shrinking. We're chilling. You know, we got our, our feet kicked up, hands behind the heads, sure. Wait, what was that? The Paul? You said you uh you wanted to go win the Big East, take away a bubble spot? Okay. Sure, go ahead, brother brother. Go right on ahead, DePaul. You smell that? It's kind of a funny smell. <laughs> What's it smell like, Sam? An upset? Smells like 7-12 and 12 Colorado making a run to the NCAA tournament <laughs> through the Pac-12 championship game. Hey, they've been playing Arizona close. Mm. Played UCLA close. They beat, Didn't they beat Arizona once, too? Uh, no, I don't think. I think they took them to overtime, maybe. You sure? Pretty sure they beat Arizona. Maybe, one, maybe the first matchup of the year? I don't know. Now we got to look at that. Exactly what I wanted to be doing right now, looking at Colorado basketball. Uh, lost at Arizona, 78-68, and that was the only time they played them. Hmm. Really could have sworn I'd, I'd, I'd witnessed Colorado beat Arizona. It was a close game. Huh. Up until the end, I think, they kind of pulled away. Arizona four losses, but they're all just strange. Arizona still has two more games left. Really? Yeah, they play tonight and Saturday. Huh. That's interesting. They play a quick at, They play at USC tonight at 11 o'clock and then play at UCLA at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Okay. In the season with the California, California swing? Not too bad. You it's think they stay game. there like in – Surely, right? They play, stay in Cali, yeah. in L.A.? Play Thursday, I guess it's chill there Chill Friday, Friday in Cali. Play Saturday? Maybe keep that in mind for Saturday. Yeah, you think those boys are going to have a, a little bit too much fun on Friday in California? You're telling me too Bellis isn't hitting up Snoop Dogg? Kirk Kresha about to hit the town in his, in his headband, for sure. Oh, dude, I... I hate Kirk Reshow. He's the most dislikable player in college basketball in my eyes. No, like, if he did not play at Arizona, he would be the most hated player in college basketball. If he played for Duke? If you put that guy in a Duke uniform, if you put that guy in a Duke he would uniform, be ten times worse than Grayson Allen. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. If you put that guy in a Duke uniform, I mean, the Geneva Convention might get violated. He, it's just like when you look at it, he, he leans into his role so well. He plays the villain very well. He looks like he didn't get spanked enough as a kid. Mm-mm. He needs to get hit. He looks like he's just <laughs> never had discipline in his life. Not once. 
that last name, I don't know, just Carissa. pisses me off. Everything about it. Hour one done, hour two on deck. Stay with us here on The Blitz.